thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. All right. Ladies, I'm so excited to welcome um, our most frequent guest now to the podcast. Um, we are here today with Kale Brock again. And Kale, you're here for on the show for the third time now, I think. It's Possibly. It, it is may the be. Third time, um, which is amazing. You were definitely our most frequented uh, interviewee. Um, only because, not just because, you know, we love you so much, but because you are doing such amazing things. Um, so ladies, for those of you who may not have, uh, heard the previous episodes with Kale on the podcast, he is an award nominated author, speaker, actor. He is the creator and the curator of the Gut Healing Summit. Um, he is the author of the Gut Healing Protocol and the Art of Probiotic Nutrition. Uh, I know that Dean will be really disappointed if I don't also mention that you were the past presenter on Channel 10's Totally Wild. You've got to keep that string on your bow because I think it's amazing. But now you can actually add filmmaker and producer to this very long list of achievements. Um, so, mm. Kale, uh, today we're going to talk about your movie that has just come out, The Gut Movie. Um, this is absolutely phenomenal. Kale, it wasn't even 12 months ago that you had the, um, the Gut Healing Summit. Like, that was just yeah. in February that that came out, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it was March or something like that. Yeah. Uh, way to challenge yourself. <laughs> Yes, yes. Way to keep the stress levels high. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, Kat, what on earth compelled you to um, to make a movie? Uh, I guess it was an extension of the Gut Healing Summit. Mm. Um, I sort of had ideas when we went into the Gut Healing Summit. You know, I interviewed you and various other experts, and I sort of um, went really in depth. But but I thought there's a more visual journey here that could be told there's a story that could be told via a film and you know that's something that I'd always wanted to do and that romantic idea of running off into the wilderness and capturing it on film has always been kind of attractive to me so I um I did it <laughs> yeah you absolutely did it and not did you just do it it's now um you have created the launch premiere tour um where you've just two nights ago you had the premiere in Melbourne to 920 yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> is absolutely amazing. And before that, was it Adelaide? Yeah, Adelaide with 750. Adelaide. Yeah. And, and that was sold out as well, which is yeah. just phenomenal. And now this weekend you're in Perth. You've got yes. two shows in Perth because the first one sold out. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, everywhere else in Australia, we'll give you some locations uh, and dates uh, at the end. Um, but how has the, the premiere been going so far? How has the launch gone? It's been pretty amazing. Like I didn't really – I swear it's been this weird experience because um, once we finished the film, it sort of stopped being about, you know, the gut and gut science and stuff and you sort of switch into post-production mode and director mode and editor mode. Right. Um, so you're not even thinking about, you know, what we're actually talking about in the film. It's really weird. And then you cut it together um, to make sure it's a really nice story. And I worked with a really amazing editor who did an incredible job. 
um, who's a friend of mine up in up in Avalon, and that just sort of took things to the next level. And once I sort of watched the film back, I sort of knew that we had something that was really solid, really professional, really you know um, matching any sort of health doco in terms of. I think actually bettering most health docos in terms of production value because we had such a amazing experience in Namibia and um, you know most health documentaries I think rely on a lot of stock footage like library footage that's not really connected to this to a story yeah and I thought that there needs to be a story here somewhere so um, that's where that sort of whole trip came in and we started filming in Namibia and getting those amazing shots and then um, cutting it all together was quite hectic I was actually going to Adelaide to the cinema a week before or two weeks before for some work engagements and we still I didn't have the film file <laughs> I still didn't have the film file and um I went to my editor's place that morning and uh we're like okay we have to finish like smash it out do the last things and export it and when we we're exporting it it got to 99 percent and then failed <laughs> it's like I had to be at the airport and we we're like oh no what's going on oh, so we did goodness. it again and it took like another hour and um, it sat on 100% for like 10 minutes. And we're like, oh, no, it's going to crash. It's going to crash. And then I was walking out the door to go to the airport. And I had to race to the airport at this point. And he goes, wait, wait, stop. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> so we oh quickly transferred it onto the, um, onto the hard drive. And I raced to the airport, just made my flight, like full cliche. And then ingested it at the cinema the following day. And um, that was the only point at which I went, wow, it's finished. And then a week later, we're premiering. So it's really oh, not been, my yeah. Wait, have no some point. cinematic drama there, Kale. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about that story. So it's called The Gut Movie, A Story About Poo and the Future of Medicine. I love yeah. that little tagline there. <laughs> so, Kale, tell what is the movie about? So, I mean, it is about the microbiome and a lot of what we did in the Gut Healing Summit was um, investigating whether the optimal microbiome does exist. You know, that was a question that I asked a lot of our guests was, do you think the optimal microbiome exists? Is there a microbiome signature that is the perfect signature, so to speak? And Why would that that be important? Well, I guess if we can establish a baseline microbiome, we we can... uh, try and get anyone who's experiencing ill health to that baseline yeah. and presumably we would make them healthy. Okay. But the interesting thing is, is that there is no optimal microbiome, you know, and okay. um, it depends on your location, your diet, your goals and all these different things. And, you know, it's kind of a bit of a, a bit of a loose and very big conversation that you could have. But um, essentially what we know of the microbiome is so small uh, in regards to what we could know. You know, I think we know 1% of the whole story. Um, so it was just investigating this and having a look at whether a hunter-gatherer tribe, uh, in particular the Sun tribe in Namibia, um, who hadn't been exposed to antibiotics uh, and were living traditionally as hunter-gatherers, we had a look if, if their microbiomes were, you know, uh, optimal, optimal. And did they have the best microbiomes? Because, you know, there was this romantic notion that um, living that way 
in alignment with our biology perhaps or away from the Western world uh, may be conducive to developing the optimal microbiome. And we had a look at that and um, certainly they had very, very healthy microbiomes but it's very hard to say that they had the optimal microbiome. And we sort of tested how my microbiome, and when I say microbiome, I mean like gut bacteria, yeah. uh, changed whilst I was there with them. And we found that in only one week, my gut bacteria had changed very significantly. Um, wow. In particular, the diversity of the bugs in my gut, which is obviously a, a good indicator of microbiome health. That's crazy. So not only did you just study this, you actually went to Namibia and you <coughs> stayed there with the tribe. You lived with them. You hunted with them. You, oh, oh yeah. Anyway, tell me, what was that experience like? I'll let you tell the story. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, no, uh, you did a good job. It was, it was amazing. We um, rocked up and they were just some of the friendliest people you've ever met and, um, you know, no sense of ownership over the land and just these beautiful smiling happy people who just took us in straight away you know no questions asked and um we're so giving it was so, sort of like okay you're here now what do you want to do <laughs> we oh, sort of amazing. just hung out with we said we want to do what you normally do we want to eat what you normally eat and we want to sort of you know hang out and see how you live and um they really liked that, I think. They were sort of proud of what they do in, in the most humble way possible. And the first thing we did, we went foraging and within two kilometres of the of the village, we had you know, an abundance of food, you know, kilograms of food wow. um, just from the ground and the trees within a kilometre of the camp. You know, it was crazy. So um, it was really cool to see that um, and to see how they mainly subsisted on on plant foods and um, hunting was a was a difficult task because they you know they employ some pretty um, rudimentary hunting techniques uh, but at the same time they, they're quite um, complex and, and honorable I think and um, yeah we, we did get to go hunting with them as well and do some tracking and we tracked a kudu that for the whole day and oh, what, um, uh, you tracked a what now <laughs> a kudu a kudu is like a big antelope Ah, uh, very very wow. big animal yeah so we tracked one of those for a whole day and we ended up getting very very close to one and um that's sort of one of the quintessential moments in the film so i won't spoil it but um that was a really cool experience and um just to see how they live you know the level of stress i think was a big um factor for me they're just so happy they don't stress about anything and everything's about the community nothing's about self so it was so cool yeah it was really really inspiring to see and I think I've brought I've tried to bring a lot of that back into my life here okay what was the health like because I'm always always fascinated by people who are living um, you know in a traditional sort of location traditional culture eating how they would have always eaten and what uh, maybe their health or their like lifespan or longevity is like. Mm. What what was theirs like? As soon as we arrived, you you noticed that the majority of them were very lean. Yeah, you know there was basically one or two overweight people in the entire um, village out of maybe thirty to forty people. So that's a very low percentage compared to us in the West when we're dealing yeah. with almost fifty percent or whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> so it was really that was quite stark straight away. And not only that, um, the musculature on a lot of the men was uh, provoking in that I was jealous. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had like body envy. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, even the older guys who, you know, this is approaching like 60 or 70 years old, they're shredded and they can walk all day, you know, and the leader of our hunt was 70 years old wow. and he could go all day and they could full squat, so bum to heels, full squat, um, so incredibly mobile. Um, in terms of longevity, I mean, that for me was a massive sign, um, being 70 years old and being able to walk all day and, and lead a hunt and full squat. You know, that was pretty huge for me. Yeah. Um, but, of course, you know, we don't know how long they live for and that's there's this um, – I suppose there is a romantic notion as well that um, these, these peoples live way longer than us. But I don't know if that's true because we do have access to some pretty good um, longevity medicines, I guess, in terms of that we can stay alive for a really long time. But yeah. I guess the main point for them is that they were thriving. You know, they're, they're not sick and tired and, and spending the last remaining days in hospital. You know, they're spending the, their days hanging around the community and the elder people of the community are still very much important um, to the central ethos of the community and they're very much a part of it and they offer wisdom and stuff. And, and it's just very different to what, what we have here. And, yeah, I think overall they were incredibly healthy. And you'll see it in the film. There's a couple of shots where you can see, you know, the musculature and um, just the, the general glowiness of um, the people of the tribe. And that was, really, I think that speaks for itself. So uh, you're pretty hung up on their bodies by the sounds. Yeah. <laughs> now, Jeez, Cal, you these save 70 year old men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. That's like a good aspiration for you, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And at the moment, I know, particularly in Western society, that men have an average lifespan of about 82 years. Um, mm. A couple of years ago, it was 80, so it's gone up a little bit. Um, but if these guys are still out hunting at 70, mm. I'm just making an assumption that if they're still thriving at, at 70, then, you know, their longevity is going to be much better than that. And they're super shredded. I can't imagine that they've got, you know, like um, leg curl or arm curl machines or, <laughs> or anything like that out there. What, no. So they're just hunting and they're just moving as they would normally. Yeah, and, and I don't think it's that strenuous either. It's, you know, it's quite a relaxed approach. to. They'd never, I don't think they'd ever exercise, you know, exercise in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, they just do a lot of walking and they have a natural, I think, genetic predisposition to looking a certain way looking and what we would call very healthy and you know genetically speaking the sun the bushmen are actually considered the true ancestors of today's human being wow you know okay. they've lived in southern africa for 60,000 years so um the idea is that we all evolved from this original sort of um tribe if you will so from a microbiome and genetic standpoint they're probably the perfect participants to study yeah, um yeah. so that was really cool to see and i think they just yeah like you said they're full squatting um they're just moving all day they're they're bending over they're, they're working all day they're carrying kids you know carrying each other's kids and overall they just looked um incredibly healthy and yeah i didn't see any of them do any deadlifts or crossfit and <laughs> <laughs> seems to be working <laughs> yeah absolutely um kale uh, i'm always fascinated by these cultures and how they treat women um mm. and what the the women's health is like because obviously that's you know my area of absolute obsession what was it like there yes yeah, so it's it really funny um I guess a good example of this is when we came back from the day's foraging or the day's hunting, we would come back to two fires in the village. And one fire was where the women sat and mm -hmm. one fire was where the men sat. 
and it, and it wasn't in a degrading way. There wasn't a superior fire or anything like that. And and what I really loved is that the women actually seemed to have like more of a um, <laughs> more more authority over the men. <laughs> like when they had, I like the sound of chatting. this place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When they were chatting about things, you know, the men would sort of go, "Oh, well, I've just been told off," sort of thing. <laughs> like it was it was really really funny to see, and that when we started talking about. Um, collecting their poop which is a pretty awkward experience and it's quite funny in the film um the women sort of had this big animated discussion they were very loud very low laughing a lot and they sort of they were out straight away they were like no he's not collecting our poo so i had to i got shuffled over to the man spot the men fire and um and, and had to speak with them about collecting their poop instead <laughs> So the, I can imagine that would have been a weird conversation. <laughs> it was. It was quite awkward, but it was very funny in the film. And, um, yeah, everyone had the same equal part to play in the community, and I think that was really cool. And the women, like I said before, were, were glowing um, predominantly, were, were, were glowing with health and, um, that you know, their skin was beautiful and, and they had big smiles. They were very, very happy, and I think those are very important measurements to um, consider for health as well. So there was no necessarily hierarchy between the men and women, no. but there was um, separation. But it sounds like that maybe that's to their benefit. Yeah, I think so. And you couldn't tell who were who were couples and stuff. Like they didn't sort of hug and cuddle and do all these sorts of things. Right, okay. And, um, yeah, it was all very community-based. And um, they certainly came together at times as well. And it seemed like age was more of a factor in determining authority than, than gender. So obviously the, yeah. the elder women and the elder men had more of a say than the younger. Um, and that was yeah. quite that was quite interesting to see because here in the West we sort of disregard our elderly and I think sort of shove them away in an irrelevant space, which I don't think is, is, is good. We don't really value our elderly here, whereas they see a lot of wisdom in age and that was really cool. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so you went and had this incredible experience in Namibia. You yeah. collected their poo, you, <laughs> you hunted <laughs> with them, um, and you lived with them. And then you came back to Australia. What was it like, that kind of reassimilation process coming back after that experience? Did you find it hard to kind of reconcile life again? Yeah, I mean, not really, because I, <clears throat> I think I would have if I had a regular nine to five job yeah um i probably would have quit on the spot <laughs> because it was just um the stark difference in their priorities was just so massive and had a big impact on me when i got back i started um doing my own version of hunting straight away which is fishing <laughs> yeah right because i just when we did go hunting it was this amazing experience in that it required so much presence state awareness and um there was a certain excitement about it that I felt was very primal and I don't know, there must be some inherent um, organic switch that was turned on by that hunting experience because it was pretty, pretty cool and very addictive. And for me, it's now, it's just fishing because, you know, that, that sort of works for me and um, I can still be around the beach and check on the surf then. <laughs> Priorities, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that was really important to me. And then it's just that whole um, relaxed approach to life. At the moment, I'm probably not exemplifying it that well. Uh, but in between going on tour and, and doing all that sort of stuff, I, I'm actually starting to be comfortable and not feel guilty about taking mornings to myself and you know, 
which is a big thing to say is is not working up until 12 o'clock you know every day <laughs> and just taking the morning to go to the gym or go surfing or just go for a walk and, and enjoy a coffee with someone or just do all those sorts of things and I think we miss that over here in the west we're told we have to work we have to earn, earn a certain amount of money um, we're put under all these different peer pressures and I think it's all just bullcrap now <laughs> like I'd rather yeah. um, I think it takes a very conscious effort to say no to that and to see how these people were living to see how happy they were with quote unquote so little materially um that really inspired me to sort of i think take a different route and really ignore what convention is and i sort of have done this to an extent but um i think it's sort of starting to impact my lifestyle now in a big way yeah okay Awesome. Well, we can talk more about that when you're here anyway, because I would love to hear how your food has changed too. Um, So, Kale, then you've come back and what else is the movie about? So you've got that time. You've obviously analyzed the the microbiota of yourself and these people as well. And then then what happens? So we bounce back from Africa to um, predominantly Australia with – expert interviews so we did delve into the topic of poop yeah <laughs> excellent so we spoke with professor thomas barodi who's a internationally renowned gastroenterologist who's been pioneering fecal microbiota transplants fmt yep and um he's doing that in sydney funnily enough so we actually got to go and film with him so we actually got to go and film the whole fmt procedure which was uh shocking to say the least, and uh, quite—it is exactly as it sounds. So it's a yeah, it's a fecal transplant from one person to another person. And yeah. what is the idea of that? I guess what they're sort of doing is um, recognizing that the gut microbiota have a significant role to play in in a lot of diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, so originally they are looking at, or predominantly they are looking at um, digestive diseases like Crohn's, IBD, IBS, mm-hmm. um, in particular C. difficile infection, which is sort of a deathly diarrhea, which you know was causing twenty six thousand deaths a year in the United States, and for which with FMT they get a hundred percent cure rate. Wow. Whereas antibiotics have about a five to ten percent cure rate, so it's absolutely amazing that you know our poo can have the potential to be a medicine in certain circumstances. And you know, Professor Barodi shared with me some instances where he had people with um, Parkinson's who came to him for the, for their digestive diseases, and they treated the digestive diseases with the FMT, but then their Parkinson's disappeared or their wow. depression disappeared for 30 year de- the 30 year depression disappeared or their ms disappeared and it and it stayed gone for 15 years you know so there's these massive massive case reports that he shared with us and i just think how is this not mainstream knowledge when we have a system that's based on that's pharmaceuticals which largely don't work which just cover symptoms and you know they're getting incredible re- reversals of symptomology and and i guess disease states with poo it's like what what's going on so um that was pretty cool to delve into and then we also chatted with professor mimi tang from the mcri down in melbourne who did that um very 
uh, incredible research on peanut allergies and the immune system and reversing peanut allergies using oral immunotherapy, which is basically a combination of probiotics and increasing, increasing dosage of peanut, which obviously needs to be done with a practitioner under very strict yeah. medical supervision. Yeah. But um, they were able to reverse peanut allergies in a very large percentage of their cohort. The, the group um so it's pretty darn amazing to go and, and speak with her and um she plays a big part in the film and then obviously we have some other experts in the film and for those of you who are lucky enough to have the dvd there's the special special features section with uh, the one and only dr andrea <laughs> <laughs> i love that the special special features or like a special special features <laughs> <laughs> awesome um okay okay what was like what was the hardest part about making the film or just about the process or yeah or is it now is now the hardest part no now's the easy part honestly um the hardest part is funding it you know because i yeah. funded the whole thing so it's a completely self-funded film That's um incredible. And yeah most most films don't actually make any money at all so it's a pretty silly adventure to, to, to do um but you know i sort of invested um all all the money that um, we we got from the Gut Healing Summit in, straight into the film and then a lot more of my own money as well. Okay. And um, so this is that a was definitely the hardest man. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. And um, logistically it was it was also quite difficult, you know, getting into the wild Namibia to, to work with a, a tribe who don't have internet access. You know, you have to work through a third party who are, who are working with them to be able to even contact them. Um, you know, that was quite logistically difficult. And luckily I had help from a friend of mine who runs an Africa tour company who actually coordinated that trip. Um, he's, he's Dennis Grace, Africa with Grace. He was really, really so helpful, so instrumental in in getting it happening. And then, you know, you're dealing with things that, (laughs) that are just naturally quite difficult, you know, cameramen and, and sound and, and, um, people's needs and all these different things which you need to, <laughs> people's needs are quite difficult. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which you need to look after. And when you're wearing the hat of director, presenter, producer, funder, <laughs> it's, um, it's quite, uh, it can be quite stressful. Like when you're wearing that many hats, it's really difficult to do your job properly. So there are a few, um, air, Oh, a few moments of the the trip where we definitely could have um, used an extra pair of hands and stuff. But mm-hmm. I think that's what you do when you start off in anything. I've always wanted to do film and it was probably very unlikely that I would have gotten funding for this film from a governing body or someone else. So I think when you don't have any other option, you kind of just have to take things in your own hands and actually do it. And that was the hardest thing is learning everything on the road. And um, <clears throat> obviously I had experience at Network 10 for Totally Wild. Thank you, Dean. Um, so, yeah, that sort of uh, helped a lot. And then, yeah, there's obviously – there's so much work involved. I don't think people realise that every single shot that comes up on the screen is considered – and it's um, edited and it's, you know, cut together. It's placed very carefully. It's um, monitored and throughout the whole editing process. It's changed 10 times, you know. Wow. It's this, yeah, it's this whole process. And, you know, it's it's a good, um, whatever it was, eight months of work into, into one hour, into a one-hour film. Um, and, you know, close to six figures into, into a one-hour film is, is um, pretty... 
pretty cool and it was a really good experience yeah. i'm looking forward to actually the future and what you know whatever comes next as well um that's definitely gonna be one of my questions at the end um did you yeah. have any moments like what the hell am i doing <laughs> yeah i think so <laughs> probably the biggest moment was what am i doing uh putting my hands near bushman poo um <laughs> in the middle of the namibian desert and then there was another time when we were hunting where um the hunter said, oh, yeah, there's a kudu carcass just not far that way. A lion killed it yesterday. And um, <laughs> that was – and then I guess there were more. We had hyena running around our tents at night as well, and we could hear them sort of padding around. And although, and then we saw death out of tracks, you know, one morning, and there's deathly scorpions and all these things. I think those moments you sort of go, hmm, is this the right thing to do? <laughs> But, oh, you know, we survived. Yeah. Long story short, you survived, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, hey, Kale, can I ask, and tell me if this is a spoiler, when you analyse their stool sample, were mm. they, did they have lots of parasites or anything like that that came up? Um, the biggest thing we focused on um, was microbial diversity. Yeah, okay. Um, so they had a significantly higher um rate of diversity than those in the West. And if you go specifically, um, they may have had some parasites, but they also had a lot of um, bacteroidetes, um, mm. so a very large amount of bacteroidetes. And um, if you look at the before and afters, you can see my own um, bacteroidetes are much less than theirs. And, you know, that may be a reflection of their, um, you know, their very significant plant-based diet sure. and, and living out in the living out in the wild and being very alkaline and having a good stomach acid or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we did sort of look at that. But in the film, we sort of um, tried to bring it back to something more comprehensive and um, simple for the viewer because we okay. wanted people who were well-versed in the gut equation but also people who were very new to it to actually understand it and stuff. So those are the things we looked at. But um, definitely it would be interesting to actually go into it again, go deep into their microbiome analysis and see which specific bugs were showing up. Yeah, but we do have that data. We just didn't really focus on it in the film. Because I just wonder, like we're very obsessed over here about killing off everything. Yeah. So parasites are always seen as – or – you know, even the some of the commensal bugs like, um, say, candida albicans, for example, <clears throat> we always think that we should have none of that. And so I was just wondering, you know, if they're obsessed over there with, oh, we've got parasites, we've got to kill them, <laughs> which I can't imagine that they would be. <laughs> no, no, they're not. And as Dr. Margie said um, the other night in her Q&A afterwards, uh, Dr. Margie Smith from Smart DNA, which is who we worked with with the microbiome test, um, she said, you know, just because you've got a parasite doesn't mean it's bad. Yes. You know, it could be a good parasite. There are examples in nature, and certainly there will be with the Bushmen as well, of parasites that actually offer a benefit to the host. And, yes. um, you know, that's where this whole um, equation gets thrown into um, the grey area. Uh, when we're trying to constantly attack the microbiome into health, it doesn't actually work. We need to um, nourish the microbiome and nourish the gut. Love the love the bad bugs to death, basically. Yes. That's what Damo says. Um, so it's a very uh, – I think it throws our approach on its head a little bit. Yeah. And um, it would be nice to – to acknowledge that we don't actually know that much about the microbiome and that's why um, it's always best to start 
from the baseline whole foods diet and allow your microbiome to adapt to what it needs to um, in conjunction with that. And I know that's um, probably not the approach that a lot of people take, but uh, I think that really works for longevity. You know, until we can establish a baseline biome that works for everyone, which I don't think we will, um, it's always best to sort of let your body do its thing because, as you would know, as a chiropractor, the body is self-regulating and self-healing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, Kel, I, I know that we're running out of time, so I just want to know what has been the reaction to the film so far, particularly from, for example, maybe the medical community? Mm. It's been really positive. I have awesome. not had one ounce of negative feedback, Great. which is pretty good. Because um, you always expect a couple. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's been pretty good. And we had a few research scientists and um, nutritionist dietitians um, there last night. And we, uh, sorry, two nights ago in Melbourne. And um, everyone just was really impressed with how uh, with how good the film is and, and how <laughs> it, a lot of people are very um, vocal about how they didn't expect it to be so funny because <laughs> it's awesome. quite – yeah, there's a lot of humour in the film because I think that needs to be quite lighthearted when we're dealing with such, um, uh, I suppose, intense or dry um, matter, dry, yeah. <laughs> dry topic matter. And um, so that's why I tried to really keep people, people engaged with a little bit of humour and that has been a really good response from people. And even the, even the, the medical community who are not always um, ready to laugh at things and stuff, they actually, I did notice a few of them were quite giggly and, and happy about the film. So oh, I, think, I love that. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's been really well received and hopefully, you know, the rest of the world gets to see it and receive it in the same way. Okay. So I now I know that you've done so much media leading up to and continuing on now that the, you've released the film, but I want you to give our Wellness Women Radio listeners an exclusive. So I want you to tell us uh, something about the film or your experience that you haven't told anyone yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> you really put me on the spot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, this might be interesting from a behind-the-scenes point of view. Um, we filmed the before and after, so the before and after in uh, of my microbiome testing. We actually filmed it. We didn't do it, obviously, but we filmed it um, on the same day. Yeah. Okay. So, so did you like change shirts or anything? Yeah, yeah. yeah so I okay. changed clothes and all that sort of stuff. And um, I'm probably, you know, it's a big spoiler probably. But um, we, so we obviously I had tested my microbiome before, but we didn't want to fly, you know, the crew and myself to Melbourne to film before and after when we could just do it in one. So it was like a logistical thing. Yeah. So um, we actually. Yeah, went in and did the the before stuff in the morning, and I hadn't seen the after stuff, so I didn't know how my microbiome had changed yet. And then um, all all the reactions you see on camera during our our after analysis are all um, first time. I hadn't seen it before, so you know I went out and changed clothes and 
we had lunch and reset and then came in for the after stuff and um yeah filmed it all in the same day so oh that's so cool okay <laughs> yeah so if that helps <laughs> yeah yeah and i assume that that's like you know just a, a filmmaking trick it's um, a standard thing yeah because yeah, yeah. yeah but for, budgets for are reality yeah absolutely <laughs> um yeah. so there you go ladies if you're particularly here at the perth premiere um on sunday night you'll be able to keep an eye out for that um just keeping that in mind but i think that is amazing all right okay what what's next for you mm, good question <laughs> yeah because, i don't know <laughs> I mean, you have achieved so much already thank you um like how far do you want to take this i don't know this is okay. I'm, yeah i'm speaking with a couple of like i've been speaking with a couple of book publishers this year and um i don't know if something's going to happen there or not uh okay yeah, whether it works or not, but I do. I do want to just embed myself in film and and sort of visual storytelling. That's really where I see my future going. Whether it is acting or whether it is um, doing another documentary, it's all the same to me. It's all storytelling yeah. that I'm really interested in. And as long as the story's good and visually exciting and intellectually exciting or entertaining, then I'm going to be happy. And, and those moments where you're on a film set. Um, and again, regardless of what the topic is, if you're on the set and you're having a really good time and you're working with really good people, that's the only thing I want to chase, you know. And then, yeah. you know, if that keeps happening, then that'll be great. You know, I do want to do a documentary on Flow State. Um, that that would be cool. the next goal if, if um, I can get funding or something because I don't have a million dollars. I think a million dollars is what I need for something like that. Yeah. So um, I don't so know. So this is a if- shout out to any investors as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, well, the first one's got a good chat record, so hopefully, um, hopefully, yeah, something like that happens, or or it's a or it's a book, or it's just friggin' YouTube videos. I don't know, <laughs> something okay. something's gonna happen next year, but it'll be a nice, nice, relaxing year, I think. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, that's gonna be famous last words. Probably I'm not. sure of it, considering <laughs> yeah. that you have already in twelve months filmed and produced. A movie, a documentary, which is yeah. such a huge feat, as well as as the Gut Healing Summit. Okay, so ladies, um, Kale is arriving in Perth on Sunday. Uh, that's Sunday the twelfth. Now the Sunday session is already sold out. We have added a second screening due to popular demand. So Monday the thirteenth, there is the second screening. I think there are still a few tickets left for that, but I think it's almost like it's gonna it's gonna sell out. So, ladies, you know, don't mess around. Um, after that, he's heading to Cairns, Brisbane. There's a second screening in Brisbane as well. The Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast, Byron Bay, Sydney. And it sounds like it's it's finishing up in your area of the woods now, yeah. um, Kale, which is which is really cool. Now, yeah. if you um, come to the Perth screening, we're going to be there with Kale. We're going to be doing a and a So please come and meet us, meet Kale. Um, and, you know, we would love to see you all there. Um, Kale, thanks so much for taking time out of your super busy schedule today. And I'm glad that Damo actually let you off camera for a little while to, <laughs> to let you uh, yeah. record with us. It's like the paparazzi in Damien's house. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's so funny. I'm, I'm going to try and one up him while you're here. Don't worry. <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, no worries. All right, Kale, well, I'll see you on Sunday. Um, and ladies, uh, Ash and I are going to jump back on the podcast now and you'll hear from us before we, uh, before we sign off. Thanks, Kale. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.